Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is not narrow sectarianism, but the body of Christ. Through his messages in these life studies, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. More than a thousand years before the birth of Christ, in 1012 B.C., that was 480 years after God had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, Solomon began to build the temple, the house of Jehovah. Today on the Life Study of First Kings, we are going to talk about some aspects of the temple that I'm pretty sure you have never heard before. At least I hadn't. So I hope you'll stay with us for the next half hour. This is Matt Miller filling in for Chris Wilde and Francis Ball has joined me for a very special Life Study program. Thanks for being with me today, Francis. Well, it's good to be with you, Matt. And uh, you're right, a special life study program, but not an easy one. So I hope some light can shine through this fellowship today that will give us a better view of what God is after. Well, our prayer before the program was that the Lord would speak in our speaking, and I really trust that that will be the case today. Amen. Today we're going to cover 1 Kings chapter 6 and 7, these two chapters, with the account of Solomon building the temple of God, which is a type of Christ and also the body of Christ, the church. I'll read the beginning of those verses and I'll let you give us an introductory word. 1 Kings 6, 1. Then in the 480th year, after the children of Israel had come forth out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of his reign over Israel, Solomon began to build the house of Jehovah. Francis, God's goal in bringing them out of Egypt was to build a temple, but it took a long time. God is sure patient, isn't he? God has a plan. And I think we've learned in this ministry that God's plan is related both to life and building. And of course, when you have this matter of building, it takes time. And God is patient because he has a plan and a purpose, and he will fulfill what he intended to do. And he intended to have a building. That's right. And 480 years after he brought him out of the land of Egypt, he finally is getting that building because of David. I think that we're going to see that in the first section here. David was a man after the Lord's heart. Yes. He had a heart for God's building, and it was finally through his son. God had promised that through David's son, he would have this building. So now we're seeing the building. Well, let's go to the Life Study with Witness Lee now. And uh, first, though, I'd like to give a little background on this program that was originally spoken in July 1994. Witness Lee was 89 years old when he spoke this particular message, and so his voice may be a little more frail than some of the other programs. 
But I, I think it's good to point out to the listeners what a faithful servant of the Lord, so they may have a little more kindness as they listen to maybe a weaker voice. And they also realize that God is patient, as you pointed out a while ago. <laughs> Very good. So, so God is patient, so we expect our listeners maybe could be a little patient also. Let's join Witness Lee. We come to the building of the temple. The temple was a type of Christ and also a type of the body of Christ, the church. In typology, if you read the record concerning the temple, you could see all the riches. The building of God began in the 480th year after Israel came out of Egypt. Think about it, how patient our God could be. He brought in people from Egypt with the intention to build up his kingdom and also to build up his home, the temple. But his elect didn't cooperate with him, didn't give him the cooperation. So he couldn't do anything until the time of David. This is why David is so present to God, because he was a man according to God's heart. God's heart was on his kingdom with his hope. After Moses, for 408 years, no one among Israel was such a person taking care of God's heart desire but David. So David was a man according to God's heart. That means according to God's good pleasure, according to God's desire to build up a kingdom and to have a house built up for himself on the earth. This was in the fourth year of Solomon's reign. Actually, everything for the building of the temple was prepared by David. On the ground of Mount Zion, which was called Mount Moriah, where Abraham offered Isaac, and David offered his sacrifice to Jehovah. Very meaningful. That peak was chosen by God to set up his house for his kingdom. I like that phrase, to set up his house for his kingdom. I think that's going to be important to come back to. Uh, I've heard a lot of Christian teachers talk, Francis, about David being a man after God's own heart. This seems to be a popular subject. It's, that's not a very hidden verse. I think the things that I said earlier about hearing something you've never heard before that's not what I was talking about. That's coming up next. And I hope the listeners will stay with us for that. But as we talk about David being a man after God's own heart, Witness Lee's tying that with this matter of the temple and related to Christ and his body. Francis, what would you say about that? Well, God really intended and planned to have a building. Of course, in the Old Testament, he's talking about a building, a physical building that would be built for the children of Israel as they journeyed on toward the good land, 
and what his intention was in the good land was to have a building. And uh, that's what we have to realize in this particular program, that God's heart's desire is to have a building. And uh, that building is typified by the building that Solomon is building right here in this program today. He is building according to God's design, which he showed to his father David. And he did everything according to David's instructions, and uh, all those instructions originated with God. So this building that we're talking about today, it's something typifying Christ himself as a dwelling place of God on earth, and also the church, which is the body of Christ, which is God's dwelling place on earth. So this is a marvelous picture of the building that God wants to have. Colossians 2.9 says that in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So we know that Christ, as an individual, was the dwelling place of God on the earth. But we also know that the church is the house of the living God, says in Timothy. So, uh, so both Christ individually and the church corporately become the house of the living God. That's right. And that's why uh, I just feel like we need to underscore this matter. This is a big thing. That's right. This picture in the Old Testament with Solomon building the temple is a picture of what God really wants in the church and in Christ himself. He wants to dwell with his people and for his people to dwell with him, a mutual dwelling place. And that's what this temple really displays to us. There's a lot of believers today who like to uh, seek the Lord and have a strong individual life and relationship with the Lord, but that's different than a house where all the members of the house are built together into one cohesive unit, isn't it, Francis? That's right. And there are several uh, physical items in this building that are very applicable to apply to spiritual reality in the real building that God wants. Which is a great segue, Francis, into my favorite part of this entire life study, which is what we're going to come to now. I really enjoy uh, how these next few items from uh, verse 4, let me read the verse. It's uh, 1 Kings 6, 4. It says, And for the house he made windows with fixed lattices. Now, Francis, this is what I mentioned at the beginning, that most Christians have never heard of the spiritual implication with the windows, with the fixed lattices. There's a lot of spiritual reality. And I love Witness Lee's ministry. This is the hallmark of his ministry, that something that's taken so much for granted in the Bible, something no one's ever even thought of this before, the windows with the fixed lattices in the temple. And yet we're going to see in this section coming up the depth of the meaning related to our spiritual life and experience in a practical way. Very good. So let's go there now and, and listen to Witness Lee related to the windows with the fixed lattices. The temple was a replacement of the tabernacle, signifying the incarnated Christ as God dwelling on earth. And the temple signifies the church, including all the believers, the members of Christ, as the enlargement of Christ to be God dwelling on earth. Why one thing typifies two things. The temple typifies Christ and the church because Christ and the church and the church and Christ are one. 
Christ, the head, and the church, the body. These are not two persons, just one. And the body is just enlargement of the head. The church to Christ is just like such an enlargement for God's doing. Eventually, God dwells in this two. When God dwells in Christ, that equals God dwells in the church. The size of the temple, 60 cubit long, 20 cubit wide, and 30 cubit high, compared with the size of the tabernacle, just half of the temple. Now, it's windows. The windows, we know, are for air and light, signifying the life-giving spirits, fellowship, bringing the spiritual air and divine light. Okay, it's fixed, let us say, keeping the windows open and the negative things away. The lettuces does a double duty to keep the opening for air and light and to keep the negative things away. God designed to have lettuces. What is a lettuce? A framework made of wood or metal. Just like today, it's crane. They signify the life-giving spirit keep the opening for the divine communication and protecting the room from the invasion of all the negative matters and things. This is the fellowshipping spirit. It keeps the opening for our communication with God. At the same time, it keeps away all the negative things. Francis, let's stop right here and dwell on this last point that Witness Lee brought out, that this matter of the fellowshipping spirit that keeps the opening for our communicating with God, and at the same time, it keeps away all the negative things. Why don't you explain to our listeners how the windows with their lattices in the temple can provide such a wonderful and practical portrait of the fellowshipping spirit in our experience. To me, this is really quite amazing. And I agree with you, this is a key point on this program today because God's intention in his house is to have open communication. And uh, this means the fellowship of the spirit, which is mentioned quite a bit in the New Testament. Nothing is quite so important for a Christian, a believer in Christ, and the believers in Christ corporately. Nothing is quite so important as having this kind of fellowship. And so the windows here indicate the openness, the openness in all the house for fellowship. And the lattice, he mentions uh, just briefly, but I also can remember this kind of illustration. In a house where I grew up, we had, in our area of the world, we had a lot of flies. And we had a screen door, and we had screens on the windows. And to have the windows open, you needed to have a screen to keep out the insects, the flies, and all the other things that would frustrate your even having a meal together. Well, this open window is a picture of the fellowship of the Spirit that's to go on between believers and I would say between churches. 
the real churches that are the expression of God, that this is a real thing that's needed with all of us, is this kind of fellowship in the Spirit. So this open window provides us the open way for the fellowship in the Spirit, and also the screen, the lattices, as they're called here in Kings, the lattice work that was there was to keep away the insects and the other things that would frustrate the fellowship. So I think this is a very, very clear picture. Once we see it explained like this, we can realize that God's intention is for us to have fellowship, and therefore we need to keep our windows open. No church should be closing their windows so they have no fellowship. But all of us should have open windows, even open doors, as we'll see later. But we need to see that this fellowship in the Spirit is really protected by the lattice work, which keeps out the negative things. This matter of uh, open communication is critical. I, I remember someone telling me once that if you're in a place where you can't openly pray to the Lord, then you're in the wrong place. <laughs> right. We always have to have an open window. That's you right. know, you mentioned no church should have a closed window. All, all the churches need to have open windows for open communication with other churches. And we also need open windows to the Lord, of course, to have an open communication with him. And we need that individually and corporately to have the open window. And I think a lot of Christians, when they read these verses, they just take them for granted, just pass right over this window. But just one little verse here talking about a window with lattices. Yeah. And it's quite a deep message that we all need to learn from. I think if we realize this in the light of the New Testament and the fellowship of the Spirit and the fellowship of the apostles that's spoken of in Acts and also referred to again in the first epistle of John, saying that you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. We need to have this kind of fellowship and that means an open window. And it means also that that open window must have a screen. Some protection. That's right, some protection from bringing in a lot of negative things. I went camping with my family recently in our tent. I don't know what I would have done if there wasn't a window. (laughs) We needed that air. It was so hot. But if there wasn't a screen on that window, all the mosquitoes would have come in our tent and eaten us alive. So we need the wind. We need to let the air in. But we also need to have a protection and a screen to keep the enemy out. That's right. We all want the Lord in and the enemy out. And Paul said, if there is any fellowship in spirit, fulfill my joy. So there's a joy in this kind of fellowship with open windows. Well, Francis, we're going to run out of time. So let's go to our final segment today. And we're going to see that the three parts of the tabernacle, the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies, correspond to the three parts of man's being, body, soul, and spirit. At the front of the temple, there was quiet space, signifying the opening, the accepting, and the receiving of the temple to the people. The outer temple, the holy place, signifies the soul of the believers as God's temple sanctified unto God. We believers are sanctified unto God as God's temple, and one part of our being is our soul. And this soul is the outer temple, which is called the holy place. Now, the innermost sanctuary, the holy of holies, signifying the spirit of the believers as God's temple. Our spirit 
is the innermost part of God's temple. That is called the Holy of Holies. Then our soul is the outer part, the holy place. Then our body is the outer part. Okay? The uh, Holy of Holies is uh, the same in its three dimensions in size. The height, the length, and the width. Three dimensions the same. Eventually, the biggest Holy of Holies is the New Jerusalem. Amen. How do we know? Because the size of the New Jerusalem is the same in three dimensions. Amen. The height, and the width, and the length of the New Jerusalem are the same. Francis, this went by pretty quick, so I think we better take a minute here to talk about this a little more because it is an important point that we could probably make an entire radio program on. So let's spend a moment here before we sign off today. Uh, God's presence in the temple was in the Holy of Holies. And today, God's dwelling place is in our human spirit. And eventually, in eternity, God's dwelling will be in the New Jerusalem, which is the same dimensions, equal in three dimensions, as the Holy of Holies. Your thoughts on this? Well, this is very, very marvelous because this is a goal toward which God is aiming. With the children of Israel, these are pictures, and this temple is a real accurate picture of God's intention to have a dwelling place for himself. And the result or the reality of that is that we were created with a spirit, with a soul, and with a body. And these three parts of our being are depicted here in this temple, a permanent kind of dwelling place for God. So God's intention is to dwell with man. God is spirit, and there is a spirit in man. So God comes into our spirit, and he wants to dwell there. And also, we are like a temple because there is a, a part of our being called our soul, which is like a a place where we uh, have our life, our person is there. But uh, our real person, since our regeneration, since our new birth, our real person now is in our spirit. So we may be just in our soul, and that's depicted by the holy place. That means we can enjoy God in our emotions. We can enjoy God in our, in our mind. And we can enjoy God with our will. But this is not the topmost enjoyment. This is something from God, but it's not God himself. So for us to be with God himself, we must be in our spirit. That's the holy of holies. That's where God himself is dwelling. And we found out from Paul's speaking in Corinthians that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So God is the spirit in our spirit, and that's the dwelling place of God in man. And also, it's a dwelling of man in God. This is a marvelous picture that has lots of implications, Matt, and I feel like we've only touched the surface today. But there's a lot in here that we need to realize is really practical for our Christian life. We want to live in God, and God wants to live in us. And that's God's eternal purpose. That's it. You know, you've mentioned over and over God's intention, God's purpose, 
can't underscore enough that this ministry focuses on God's goal, his eternal goal, his eternal purpose. And eventually this program again brings us to that with the New Jerusalem as God's eternal dwelling place. Very good. Well, I feel like we could uh, go on and on, Francis, but the radio station won't let us. They want to end (laughs) our program right now. Francis, I had to fill in for Chris today, and I'm sure glad you were here with me to do it. Well, I'm glad you were here to fill in for him, and I'm happy to be with you. Well, thank you also for being with us, and we hope you'll tune in again as we continue the life study from the books of 1 Kings and 2 Kings. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America, and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one, and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.